0: Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Good morning, church. I need you to open your Bible to two different books, Hebrews chapter 11, we'll be in that every week in this series, and also Genesis chapter 5. Uh, We'll be going to Genesis 5 here in just a few moments. If you're visiting Christ Church, my name is Mark, and we're glad you're here today. Uh, I get the privilege of being one of the ministers at our church, and uh, we're studying through this sermon series, looking at Hebrews 11, which encapsulates what faith is. So I'd like to give a little explanation in week three to to catch you up. Uh, We are going to be taking together a snapshot of what Hebrews 11 says faith is, and it illustrates it by giving us characters from the Old Testament to illustrate what these components are. If you looked at them as components, it would be helpful in our journey. In other words, if you snapped all these pieces together, you'll understand what real faith means and what it looks like in everyday life. And that's important. Faith is not just a concept that we're to have and hope we get it. It's actually a lifestyle lived. And so when we are done by looking at all the characters illustrated uh, of this, you'll see what your life can be if you live by faith. Uh, So, as we do that, we begin in week one by just defining faith and talking about what it is, what it's based on. And we came to this conclusion. Our faith is based on two principles. God is good, and God can be trusted. In other words, he keeps his promises. And so we base our faith on those two principles. Now, it's a simplistic approach, but it helps build from there, that we believe that God is good. He has our best interests in mind. He has the world's best in mind. He's not punitive. He's good. He's good. And he also keeps every word, both good and bad, that he's given. Every promise of punishment for those who reject him, and every promise of acceptance for those who receive him. That all of those things can be counted on. And so how we concluded we live in light of that is that we want to make a present substance out of a future reality. We're going to live today as if every promise God has made has been completed. And by living today in that way, we're living by faith. We're trusting God even when we don't see it. We're trusting God when we it hasn't materialized yet. We're trusting God because we believe he is good and we believe he keeps his promises. Last week we looked at Cain and Abel and Grant gave you kind of a, a little bit of a summation of that and he did well with it. We talked about Cain and Abel in that Cain and Abel brought sacrifices to God. This was after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden and the garden was closed. And mankind lived in this new world that was broken because of their sin. And in the midst of all of this, both of these sons of Adam and Eve brought sacrifices to God, and one sacrifice was pleasing and the other was rejected. Cain could not handle that his, his sacrifice was rejected, so he blamed God. Instead of owning the fact that he gave God something less than he should have, he blamed God for it, and he walked away from the Lord. Abel, who gave God what he asked for, he gave him his heart, he gave him his faith, He was received by God, and Cain, in his anger, killed his brother. And God said that Abel's sacrifice still speaks today because it was based on faith. He trusted me, and even though it cost him his life, he's being rewarded. His message still speaks. So we talked about that last week. So we've already talked about Abel and his sacrifice. Today I want to talk about a character that there's very little known about him in Scripture, but he's fascinating nonetheless. His name's Enoch. And you heard the passage in Hebrews read already, but I'd like to read it again with you. Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's an interesting explanation. You see, uh, Abel was known for his worship, and Enoch will be known for his walk. An interesting term that we'll describe and, and flesh out a little bit more in just the next few moments. Now let's jump to Genesis chapter 5, where the story of Enoch is told in the Old Testament scriptures. Genesis chapter 5, verse 18. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. Jump down to verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. That's what the Bible tells us about this, this person. What I want to point out to you is this concept of walking with God is a very unique passage of Scripture. In fact, it's one of the most common descriptions in all of the New Testament of what it means to be a believer. To walk by faith means to walk with God. And that term walk has significance because when the Scriptures were written, that's how you transported yourself from one spot to the other. If you were rich, you might have had a donkey, but you walked. You walked from spot to spot. It was a part of the culture. You walked everywhere you went. It was a part of your everyday design. So to walk to walk with Christ, to walk by the Spirit, and to walk with God has a huge symbolism for us that we will develop in just a few moments. But Abel offered a sacrifice. And Enoch, who lived by that same sacrifice, that same system of giving to God his very best, he was epitomized as someone who walked with God daily. What I'd like to do as we kind of build this model is tell you five things about Enoch today. And by showing you those five things, challenge each one of us what it means to walk with God. First one, Enoch pleased God by believing that he is, which is kind of a unique, when I wrote this, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to explain that, but it's very simple. It's what the passage says in verse 6 of Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. In week one of this series, we talked about the evidences that there is a God, and you can go back and revisit that message online if you so choose to. But we talked about the evidences in creation and other areas that proves that there is a creator who put this all together, that this world was not just an accident that happened, but there's more evidence that there's intelligent design in this world than anybody can downplay. But we're not talking about just believing that there's a creator. What this passage means is that Enoch believed in the revelation of that creator. Not just that he existed somewhere, but that he existed in our midst that there was a revelation of a God who not only designed the world, but was actively a part of this world and engaged in it. And that's what it means to believe that he is. See, the word believe, when used in Scripture, has more depth or breadth than just possibility. You know, if I said to you, hey, do you believe that? Do you believe that so-and-so could slam dunk a basketball? You might go, yeah, it's a possibility. I can believe it. It's in the realm of probability. That's not what we're talking about here. When we use the word believe as Christians... We we mean more than just that it's some possibility. We believe that God has revealed enough to us that we choose to believe him. That there's enough evidence in front of us. That we've seen his interaction in our lives. That we're engaged in this. That we don't just believe it's a probability. We know it's true. And to have faith, not only believe that there is a God, but that God has been revealing himself to us. And in Enoch's day, all he had to do was look at creation. All he had to do was understand the principles of how God was working to redeem this world, and he believed. But we're so spoiled, we not only have the revelation of creation, we have the revelation of Jesus. The resurrection, the eyewitness accounts, that we believe that God is keeping his promises from all the way in Genesis chapter 3 to today that we not only believe that God does exist, we believe he exists among us. That God walked the earth in the form of Jesus. That he lived and he breathed and he was real and he was engaged. You see, religion is a minimalist attempt to acknowledge God and retain control. I want to say that again. Religions across the world are our attempts to believe in a God but still be the God. To believe in God but retain control. For instance, if any of us leaves worship here today and we believe we're in control of our life, then I have to ask you a question. Who did you worship? Because if you worship, worship the real living God, then you'll walk out of here feeling like without him, I cannot survive, amen? But religion says, I can acknowledge God and retain control, and that's not what it means to believe. And Enoch was a man who believed that believe has expectations and responses. It requires of us a response. In Romans chapter three, verse 20, the apostle Paul would write, therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. None of us will ever please God by just doing good things, by being better than we used to be, by trying really hard. Now, we're gonna downplay this concept that I can please God by my efforts instead of pleasing God by my faith. And faith begins by not only believing there is a God, but believing that, that God is here and he's real and he's after us. Second thing, Enoch pleased God by seeking God's reward. It sounds a little bit selfish on its face, but I think you'll see that it's a lot deeper than that. It says in Hebrews 11:6, 6, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, it is so important what I'm about to say, but I'm so fearful. I'm not fearful, maybe not right. I'm just aware that in our culture today, eyes get rolled so easily. If anybody tells you anything three or four times, it's just in our human nature to go, all right, all right, you made your point. This whole series is gonna be about faith. Absolutely, until we get it right, it's what we must talk about. But there's something that happens to me that I I quite enjoy. When I go into Braden's room, he's our 10-year-old. When I go to say goodnight to him, some nights his mom puts him into bed. It's kind of interesting. She gets hugs and kisses and laughter and stories, and he wants to move his big-time wrestling move on me before he goes to bed. He's like, hey, Dad, here's my closing move. I'm like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) So I have to lay on the bed, and he puts me in his closing move, asks me how awesome it is, and then I get up and I say, goodnight, buddy. And as I leave the door, I love this about him. He'll say this to me every night. I love you, Dad. And I always say I love you too, buddy. And if you would tell me in six or seven years that's going to become old and tired, I'm going to call you a liar. Are you with me? Because I hope, I know when he's 16, he's not even going to like me. But until then, he's going to say, I love you, Dad. And I'm going to say, I love you too, buddy. Why? Because I do. And I can't hear those words enough from him. It's important that we say the words that we most want to hear so that we hear them. So if I say this to you today, that it's not only important to believe that there is a God pursuing us, but there's also a God who rewards us, it'd be easy if I said to you, God wants you to know today he loves you, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. No, 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 do you really? Because if you did, you couldn't hear it enough. You see, God is not a proposition. God is not a concept. God is not an ideal. God is a person. It's... His personality is depicted in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's dimensions of God that are revealed throughout Scripture. And Enoch not only believed that God created the world he lived in, but he believed that God was engaged in that world and God could be known. And when it says that he walked with God, not since the Garden of Eden had anybody walked with God. And here's the good news. Even after our sin, we can walk with God. Oh, I thought, man, somebody would hallelujah, but I guess not. I guess not, because we know it, right? No, the truth is, if you don't understand that when the garden got locked, every close, intimate thing with God was restricted. But then God began to do the work to break down all the restrictions based on his way. And now people were walking with God, communing with him, enjoying him. God derives pleasure from us. God's in a personal relationship with us. And God is a rewarder of those who seek him. So we have to seek him. Yeah, to be honest, do I sometimes go in my kid's room at night after his mom's put him to bed just to hear, love you, Dad, love you too, buddy. Absolutely. Because that relationship matters. When King David was about to die and he was passing the throne on to his son Solomon, he said these words. Excuse me. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father, And serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. See, we have a God in pursuit of us. And it's not a matter of us missing him. It's a matter of us rejecting or accepting him. I often become uncomfortable when I hear Chris say, I accepted Jesus. Well, you accepted who? Or did you accept his, his life, his blood, his sacrifice? Accepting Jesus isn't saying, I, I agree there was a Jesus. No, accepting Jesus is saying, I'm gonna fall on my face before my king. That's what it means to accept what he offers me. And so here you have this moment where Enoch was a man who not only believed God was in pursuit of him, but he le- believed that God wanted him and there was a reward for having received him. And if you seek him with all your heart, David said, you'll find him. When God was about to punish the nation of Israel for their disobedience. It's, it's what Isaiah and Jeremiah and uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, the books are about. When they were sent to Babylonian captivity for a period of 70 years, when God was telling them, I'm going to send you into punishment because you've accepted other gods, I'm going to give you to these other gods and let them and serve them for a while and see how that works out for you, my paraphrase. But God, even in the moments he was disciplining them, listen to the words he gave them as he sent them away. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Even when God's punishing us, he does not leave us. Even when God is disciplining us and trying to pull things out of our life that we don't need, God is never leaving us. He's never forsaking us. He's there with us. And he says, and if you seek me, even in the worst moments of your life, in the parts of your life that are the hardest to face, when you have to face sin and admit you did it and all the consequences that come with that, God says, I will be the one with you when everybody else abandons you. I will be the one that will not leave you. I will strengthen you when you can't stand up and I will give you rest when you can't sleep. I will be the one that's there for you and if you seek me with all of your heart like God is seeking you with all of his, you'll find him. That's where our faith begins to become real in everyday life. In the worst moments of our life do we turn to him. Romans 8:16 Paul wrote, "The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children." You see, when I speak these words and I tell you that God is pursuing you, right now there is a movement in your heart and soul if you're open to it where the Spirit of God is saying that is true. You know that's true. On your worst day that's true. In your worst moment, in your worst decisions, that's true. You know on your best days that God has a love for you. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't regret that you even exist. God is passionate about you. And he says, seek me like I'm seeking you. And you know in your heart that's true. Not because I'm telling you. It's not about how right I am. It's about what the scriptures prove and what the spirit of God does. In Isaiah chapter 62 The prophet is talking about how God is going to bring about a new Israel. And he said, The Lord has made the proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughters of Zion, See, your Savior comes. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. Recompense? What's that? Let me re-explain it. This is what Isaiah said. He's coming, and he's your reward. Jesus is coming and he's your reward. Oh, you say he already came. No, 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 you have to understand. He came, and he's coming again, right? I'm I'm betting my life on it. He not only came one time, but he's coming a second time, and when he comes a second time, he's coming in the full glory of his kingdom, and he's gonna repurpose everything for his greater use, and that truth is what I'm building my life on, and he will be my reward. It's not heaven that's my reward. It's not that I'm gonna live forever that's my reward. It's not that I'm gonna see my grandparents again. That's not my reward. My reward is Jesus, He is the fulfillment of everything I've ever needed and everything I've ever wanted. And if I leave here today out of worship, feeling like I'm in control, I've worshiped me. I've not worshiped him. But if I walk out of here today knowing who my Lord and Savior is and who is the power of the universe and who one day will set everything right, I will have worshiped Jesus. And I will have been convinced. See, John 14, 6, Jesus pulled no punches. He told us the truth. He said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But listen to the good news. Everybody who comes to the Father through Jesus finds the Father. That's the good news. So what have we learned? And if you're worried about how long is it gonna take, we're halfway home, okay? Of the five things, I wanna remind you of this. Enoch believed that God was in pursuit of him, and he believed that God would reward him for pursuing in response. Thirdly, Enoch pleased God by walking with God. It says twice in the book of Genesis that Enoch walked with God. And in my research, looking at some of the original languages and and reading some of the experts on those languages, they said in the Septuagint, version of the Old Testament, that that term, walked with God, is interchangeable with he pleased God. He walked with God. And God finds pleasure. This is the weirdest thing for me. God finds pleasure in hanging out with me. I don't even like my company I mean, honest, I wouldn't hang out with me if I could get away with it, and God chooses to. And this concept of walking with God, if, if I may take you back to my house, uh, every now and then I'll say to Heather or to Braden, uh, hey, I'm going to go for a walk, do you want to walk with me? We have a beautiful neighborhood we live in, and there's a nice track I can walk, and I can get about two miles in if I walk it correctly. And I'll often say to Braden, hey, do you want to walk with me? And he'll say, yeah. He never asks, where are we going? Because he knows if he's walking with me, I'm going to set the direction. He knows that I have a plan in mind of why I'm going for a walk. And if you want to walk... Now, sometimes he brings his bike or his scooter. Sometimes he walks with me and he talks incessantly the entire trip. But here's what's never in debate. He never has to ask, where are we going? He never asks to ask, do I know the way? And he never asks me why. I just simply say to him, Heather, B, I'm going to go for a walk. Do you want to walk? Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. But listen, and I, this isn't about me. Please understand my illustration. When, they, when I ask them to walk with me, the direction's been set. When it says we walk with the Lord, Enoch walked with God, I want you to understand the direction was set. Enoch did not debate with God about the right path. He didn't debate about how fast they should walk or where they should go. He simply knew if he was going to walk with God, they should go where God was going. Doesn't that make sense, church? when we walk with Jesus and we walk by the Spirit, it should not be a debate. We should be pleased to go with them. I don't have time to embellish this, but I've shared it before. It's just a part of my heart. I always love those moments when my dad would say to me, hey, Mark, I'm gonna go. Do you wanna go with me? I didn't care where he was going. I wanted in the front seat of the pickup truck. And I wanted to ride with my dad. And I, never, I didn't care where he was going. I wanted to be with my dad. I love the fact that God finds pleasure by us walking with him. He says to you and I, every morning of our life, if he gives us breath, he says to us, I'm going this direction today. You want to come with me? And you and I get to choose every day of our life, yes or no. I'll walk with the Lord his direction or I'll walk in my own. And here's what we all know. When we walk in our own, how's it worked out? Not very well. It's hidden. It's dark. And we often make choices we never wish we would have. Amos 3.3 says, Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? The answer, of course, is no. In fact, the Apostle Paul warns us about being unequally married. He tells us in one of the greatest relationships of our life that shape us to be more like Jesus, you cannot get that shaping in a relationship where two, you're not believers, you're not walking with the Lord in the same direction. It's found throughout Scripture. We're not to be unequally yoked, not only in marriage, but in so many other areas of our life. And that doesn't mean that we hate the world that's not going in our direction. We're here to invite them to join us. But until they're joining us, how can two, yoked together, go in opposite directions? One will get dragged away into a direction they've not chosen. Ephesians 4.17, Paul speaks more broadly when he says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Their hearts will not go where God's going. Their hearts will not honor God as creator of all things and giver of all good things and blesser of all. So they choose to say, I'm in control. I'll live my life my way, and I'll try to please God my way. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what the scriptures clearly say. So to walk with God means you do as he designs. In 2 John, verse 6, this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. And 1 John 2, John writes, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Can we be honest with each other? Does that verse freak you out? Because if you have to walk as Jesus did, how are you doing? If you define it as perfection, I'm doing horribly. I'm a failure every moment of my life. But if I walked the way Jesus walked, and I understand that to be in obedience to God, trusting God, and desiring to be close to God in intimacy, we can walk like Jesus did, can't we? We don't have to be Perfect. We just have to choose today to awaken and say, I'm gonna go where God's going. I'm gonna follow the direction God's told me I should go, and I'm gonna seek that direction. And David says, if you seek him, with all of your heart, you'll find him. So Enoch believed who God was, believed God rewarded those who sought him, and he drew near to him in his daily walk. Fourthly, Enoch pleased God by presenting the faith. He pleased God by presenting the faith. Now, the word faith is used in the New Testament two distinct ways. The first way it's used is the way we've been talking about it for the past three weeks. This concept of our placing our belief fully on God. And then the other one is a system of beliefs. Faith is used in the New Testament by Paul and by uh, several other writers as this faith meaning, the system of belief, who Jesus is, who God is, how the world's designed, these concepts. And not quite doctrines, but this principle of life. In Jude. Verses 14 and 15, there's a passage found about Enoch. It says, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way. And of all the harsh words, ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And one of the things that Jude does is he says, Enoch was a man who not only cared about walking with God. He cared how others walked with God, too. And so he presented to the world, he presented to those that he knew, that he had influence on, that there was a God who deserves to be honored, and it's not horrible to honor him, that God doesn't strip us of enjoyment. He doesn't take from us real life. He gives us real life. He gives us things that cannot be taken from us in joy. He does these amazing things. He does all of this. Enoch was not only a man who cared about Getting on the ark? Enoch was a man who invited others to get on the ark. Let me explain. The reason I read the genealogy for us this morning is because that Enoch was the father of a man named Methuselah. Methuselah is famous in the world because it says he lived over 960 years. He's the oldest living man to ever walk the earth, according to the scriptures. And that was Enoch's son. But there's a big question out there for us. When Noah gets in the ark... It was the 969th year of Methuselah's life. He either died in the flood or he died right before it. But when you read about what the world was like in the day of Enoch, it's the reason God looked down on the earth and regretted that he ever created man because of the corruption that man had become. So in that moment of life, Enoch's preaching to a generation that would drown in the flood, that unless they understood who God was, they would have to face the fact that they would not let God save them. They were trying to save themselves. And when the flood came, they could not. And all the futility of a life lived on earning it your own way was exposed. So Enoch was a man who preached the truth of God so that others would find life. And lastly, Enoch pleased God by entering into God's presence. Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, Enoch walked with God and then he was no more because God took him away. I love that expression. There are four people in scripture uh, that have received this kind of exit. Enoch, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. They just descended. Now, I've read a lot of poetry and to be honest with you, I'm not much of a poetry lover. Please don't send me great poems. I probably won't get them. Uh, Dr. Seuss is about my level. I get him, and I enjoy it. But when I read the poetry about one day Enoch and God were walking, and they'd walked so long together, they were closer to God's home than they were Enoch, so they went to God's home. That's cute. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says one day God said to Enoch, you're home, and he was with God. And it says he didn't die. They couldn't find his body. There was no memorial. There was no place. And here's the foreshadowing in the New Testament church. One day, if we're alive when Jesus returns, those of us who live by faith will not die. We'll just go be with the Father. There's a hope there. And Enoch experienced and Elijah experienced it and Moses experienced it and Jesus experienced it. And whether we walk through death's door or we just ascend to be with the Father, there's a beautiful promise in our faith. He is the one who rewards us. And he rewarded Enoch by just taking him home. Hebrews eleven five. 5, by faith Enoch was taken from this life, so they did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. I'd like to ask you some questions this morning, and at this church that means I have to explain to you I'd like an answer, okay? So now how are you? So if you're visiting, you'll probably just answer. Longtime people here, they forgot. So here we go. I'd like to conclude this morning by not just telling you five facts about Enoch's life, but asking you if you don't walk like Enoch walks. Let me explain. Do you believe that God is who he told you he was and revealed himself in through Jesus? He's pleased by that. Do you believe that he rewards those who come to him and that he wants to reveal his heart to you day in and day out? He's pleased by that. Have you committed your walk to him, choosing to go the direction that he's leading you even when it doesn't make sense? He can be pleased by that. Have you opened your mouth to speak for him, to not judge the world, but to offer them the hope of not being judged by a God who loves them? And he's pleased by that. And someday, do you believe, by the power of Jesus Christ, that you will one day just go with God home to a place Christ has prepared for you, a mansion with many rooms? Jesus said, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you different. Do you believe that you're gonna one day walk with God And just go home with him. Then he's pleased that your faith is beginning to grow. So let's walk with him, for him, and because of him. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Oronogo. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.